just finger gunned me right into the parking lot. I said, oh, okay. So this is how it's going to be. a solid backup. Chris has been shitting on Coco all, all year. God, this guy apologized. Look, I'm going to put him in double digit goals. He couldn't even get off the plane properly. He got hurt right, yeah. off, the, right yet, off the steps. But yet you're making love videos for Robbie Robinson. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the Herons are back. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 54 of the Battered Herons podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Granada. Alongside me is Mr. KBD himself. How are you doing, sir? Well, I could be doing better if the Knicks were playing better, right? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, whatever. There we go, sir. There we go. I, I don't even know why you're bothering to even try to find a way to watch that game. You know how it's going to end. Shut up. All right, so... Off the basketball court, onto the soccer pitch. We have a winning streak going, Chris. How are you feeling? I feel good, especially since Esteban Dito wants to wah, wah, wah in here. The leader of the, <laughs> the, the, the leader of the, of the Phil, fire Phil hatred. Uh, listen, guys. There's a lot of leaders, man. There's a lot of people that want that. There are. There are a lot of people that want it, I guess. Whatever. And we're going to get into that all in a little bit. But um, we were finally home again, right? We hadn't played at home since April 8th. <laughs> so since yeah. April 8th. So no hockey talk, please. Don't worry, Richard. We're not going to bring up how the Panthers are up 3-0 against your Toronto Maple Leafs. And, well, I keep seeing that and I keep seeing that recurrent video of the Toronto fans chanting, we want Florida. But we're not going to get into that. So... Uh, again, we hadn't been home for about a month. Uh, we we're finally home, which is always awesome. Even though this year hasn't necessarily been what we want, we you know we feel like we could win just about every game at home. Wasn't the case. I think the last one, say one or two home games we lost. But yeah. back at home, feeling good. How was it to be back in Drive Pink for you, sir? Listen, it was fun. Look, home games are always fun, especially from a fan's perspective. And and more so after it's been so long since we played at home, so it was enjoyable. It was more packed than I anticipated. Um, Over sixteen thousand. Sure. And I don't know if everybody walked away with a shirt, but I know I walked away with more than one shirt. So I'll leave it at that. Oh, you're a horrible person. And, <laughs> and so I, uh, yeah, it was fun, man. A lot of Atlanta fans, which was nice. Yes, Atlanta was well represented. Um, and a couple of things that I wanted to bring up that I was back at Drive Pink that I noticed that I thought was kind of weird. First one, I don't like this national anthem with nobody singing it. That it's whole, weird. Uh, I, I don't like it, man. I like when they, and I'm sure they could pick, there's probably at least three people, solid singers in the crowd that could probably yes. give you a decent national anthem. Or they should yeah, do the yeah. whole sing-along and just tell the crowd to sing along with it. And I'm sure it'll sound nice. But this whole silent national anthem, I, I don't like it, man. I don't know why they do that. I, I thought that it was I thought that it was kind of whack, honestly. And um, and they got to do better. Like, come on. You could do better. You could, I mean, you could find just, some bum off the street that could probably sing. Just so I could. Well, let me tell you. The Cleveland Cavaliers found a bum to do some of their play-by-play. -play. Remember, like, oh, but that has, years ago? Yeah, but he has an amazing voice. It was, like, yeah, five years ago. He has the greatest voice I've ever heard in my yeah, No, it was, like, five voice. years ago. Look it up. It was, like, ten-plus years ago. No way. I'm going to look it if up. They could find, if they could find a literal bum to do their play-by-play -play or to do their announcing, then I'm pretty sure we could have gotten a couple people that sing some good tunes. Even from La Familia. I mean, we have a lot of people that that have some good musical talent in La Familia, especially on uh, on the supporter side. So, oh, uh, look at this. I'm not the only one, Danny. Uh, Alpha is here saying it's not horrible. He got two shorts, uh, shirts and so, uh, <laughs> it's so two back-to-back as a public spot. Ah! Oh, that's, that's horrible, man. They only made 13,000. There was 16,000 people at the game. You guys, there was already 3,000 people that couldn't get the shirts. Uh, you guys are... Listen, you, you know what my dad scumbags. used to tell me? You pick up your feet, you lose your seat. So if you didn't get there when the getting was good, then you get in nothing. Here, you know here what we that got... sounds like? What? You, you, okay, first of all, Steve Munoz, how dare you? Yeah. No, you, you kinda... need to sing the national anthem. I, yeah. I love hearing the national anthem. It, look, I'm okay if they don't play it, but if you're going to play it, play it correctly. Um, yeah. And you jacking all those shirts, you could tell you're a Knicks fan. All right, and then one other thing that I noticed, they didn't allow cans in the stands. Yeah. I have no idea what that's about, 
but they kept giving people cups and making them like pour into the cup and then throw it out before they walked into the stand. Why are people throwing cans on into the to the bitch? Is, is that was there a situation? Well, I don't understand because I could throw my 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 cup at the same time. Like if I want to make a mess on the field, I make a mess on the field. I, I think mean, it's harder to throw a cup, an open cup than a a full can, I guess. But unless they're just making the cleanup a little bit easier, that's the only thing I can think of. And then on top of that, I mean, I don't know if maybe they're trying to make sure that they recycle the bottles. I don't know. I, I think it was a waste. The lady next to me had her stupid bottle, and I had to serve my water in a freaking cup which just just by doing that it loses its coolness just by like seven degrees anyway <laughs> so that was pretty infuriating look at this All and right. uh, lucas just chiming in work is getting lazy yeah that's that's probably what it is lucas you said oh, it not you, me you buddy. mean that the people that, that sold you the water should have poured it for you i mean i guess well, I no <laughs> I could see that, I guess. It wasn't even the workers. It was like the security asking for my bottle of water. Like, get out of here, man. Secure something. Right. So we had uh, a month between games. And, you know, I hadn't realized it until I kind of got there and really started looking at the team. Our team looks really different from just the last home game. Like, yeah. if you look at the starting 11 from the last time we played at home on April 8th and then on May 6th, we had five new players in the starting lineup. Yeah. Which is which is pretty wild cuz when we last played a home game, we didn't have Oh wait, that that shows up it's the same picture twice. Horrible job. Oh no, no it's not. Um yeah it is. So, we is had it? yeah, we didn't have Miller last time. We didn't have Arroyo last time. We didn't have Kramashi starting. We didn't have Ruiz starting. Like and I, I'm missing one, but I know it was five. It's it's wild how much the team has changed in a matter of a month between home games, but yeah. obviously for the better because we're now riding a little bit of a win streak. Well, I mean, we're talking about what the last home game we had Mota, right? Mm -hmm. um, did we have Gregory for the last home game? No, because he got injured in a week. Yeah, yeah, we had him for the last home game, I believe. No, Gregory, no, Greg, Gregory, uh, he, he was he was out. NYCFC game, man. That was a long time. It was at the beginning of March. Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, there's been the changes, of course, in the backfield, right? We didn't have Miller. Uh, we also didn't have we, – we didn't have – who else was it in the midfield? We had Pizarro that was at that time, but now, of course, we had Ruiz that, that, that got the start. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of changes for sure, and I think that it was perfect changes because we're talking about finally getting Campana back. That made, that made a pretty big difference. Well, I think that that's the biggest difference, like you said. Yes. Um, but and I and mean, on top was, of that, was, go ahead. No, I I was just gonna mention, and then with Joseph coming off the bench, you know, which we're gonna get into some Joseph talk in a couple moments, because uh, we see a lot of you guys already chiming in on on the Joseph speak. You know, we got Richard Greenberg asking the question. Joseph looks like he's finally in shape. Uh, you know, Lucas chiming in also. Happy to see Martina score. Like the momentum is coming. I, I can feel it too. Um, you know, it's it's definitely going to be a shame for sure. Um, you know, to see, for example, Negri, he's not going to be, you know, playing against New England. That's he's out of here. So and and shout out over to Connor. What's up from Columbus, Papa? Oh, okay, we got somebody from Columbus. Sorry, I, I had oh, yeah. to fix this because it was it was driving me crazy that that the wrong picture was up there. All right, so who are we missing? We had. Miller is new to the team. Arroyo, Ruiz, yep. Kramashi, and oh no, it was four. Oh no, Coco. Coco wasn't playing that Coco, last game. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it it was a new look, but obviously it's working out. Um, and I mean, I guess to your delight, we got a winning streak going. So that whole fire fill thing is has kind of taken a backseat for a little bit. Oh yeah. I mean, look but before we get into it. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know if we were going to get into it right now. I we mean, can. I, let's, let's, go ahead. No, no. Ahead, let, you let's you get sure you want to do it. that? Straight into it. I mean, especially it. since we got uh, Presidento Estebandido on here, we might as well talk a little bit of Phil Neville while he's at least sitting on the bricks. Listen, we're on does a Phil winning Neville get credit? That, that's what I want to know. Look, Straight I mean, to how, it. Does, how does he not get credit? Yeah, he, he made the adjustments to the formation. What adjustments? 
What do you mean, what adjustments? He went from a two-striker attack to a one-striker finally. Again, a big part was Campana came back, right? But he could have easily gone with a two-striker formation, right? But he didn't. He believes in Kramashi. He's taking mm-hmm. that's ta- that's a coach that's taking a big chance on a well, young you know kid. And that's what I wanted to I wanted to get to and I want to touch on. Even though you don't want to see Phil Neville fired, not even Phil Neville himself could probably deny that his heat was his seat was getting a little hotter, right? Yeah. But in that kind of position, a lot of people would be scared with their job possibly on the line to put their faith in an 18 and a 19 year old. But, I mean, he put Kramashi out there to start, 18 years old. This past week, Mota's out, and he didn't go to Ulloa. He put in Ruiz. Like, he's putting his trust in these young kids, and he's always done this. Last year, he benched Gonzalo Higuain, and he put Campana to start over him. And everybody's yeah. kind of like, whoa, what the hell's going on? But then Campana proved what he can do. Like, I got to give Neville that credit, that he's not scared to play the young kids if the veterans aren't performing at a high level. And to that, Neville does get a bunch of credit. So, and and talk about credit, right? Uh, Lucas chimes in, says, if we could talk a little bit about Ruiz, that he didn't get enough credit. Uh, he also mentions Benja is him, right? But th- there's a great question being posed here. Uh, and, and I'm trying to find this. So Hazel Lopez chimes in. What do you guys think about the young kids, Benja and Rudy? Um, which I, I imagine that he's mentioning Ruiz, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I think I that could be something. it. Maybe he's maybe he's checking. Maybe he's talking about Benjamin and, and Rudy. And the same thing. I mean, we got a question from Connor, which we'll get to, which is uh, Martinez related. Listen, I've been calling for Kramashi to come on the field and start for quite a while. Ever since that Gregory went down, I thought that it was the best time to be able to bring him on. So the fact that it took this long, it's uh, it's kind of suspect. I get it. Right. You want to get more experienced players on here. But at this point, like, what do you got to lose? You lost him. You lost Mota now. Like, let's just fire all cylinders, bring all the young kids on here. What do you, what do you think, Danny? I I think Kramashi is amazing how he can be a box-to-box midfielder. He has a crazy motor. He is contributing. He's exciting on offense. Like, obviously, you could tell that he's 18, and he still commits his his uh, his mistakes here and there. He gets depossessed. That's an ugly cup that you got drinking from there. Uh, he gets depossessed here and there. But he recovers. I, I think he's great offensively. He hustles and tries defensively, right? Because you got some players that they don't put that effort. But he's – I'm really liking what I'm seeing from this kid. And yeah. I couldn't be happier with the production that he's given. And Ruiz also. Ruiz was, is also another one that – I think that we might have lucked out because we felt like Mota and Gregory were, were those – that's like duo midfield that we were going to have to write out for the next couple of years. And we felt good with them. And all of a sudden, I feel like we now have a new duo in the midfield that we could possibly watch grow for the next couple of years. And it's an 18 and 19-year-old kid, academy kids, homegrown kids, Kramashi and Ruiz. And I think that that puts us in a great situation because, I mean, I love Gregory. Mota, I thought, was playing pretty good. But when you have young kids like this that can grow with the club, I think we're in a great situation. Well, the only scary part about uh, Ruiz and and, and Ben Highs. I don't know if any of those two players are going to be a good fill-in for Gregory if he was to ever leave or get traded. So that's no. the only thing that I can think of that may give me some worry. But that's, of course, assuming that we're taking on the same sort of strategy, the same sort of formation that we've been used to. Um, you know, Other than that, I-, I see that exact same thing that you see. We're talking about a future that's developing um, right in front of our eyes. Well, now that you're talking about the the new uh, tactics or whatnot, I, I think we feel like things have changed a little bit, and I think it's more or less, like you said, Neville, who's kind of changed the playing style of the team. And we were playing a very short pass, keep possession, build up from the back kind of that, – that, that's the that was the game plan coming into it. Yeah. And it was working fine, right? We, we had like – 99% possession in every game. Like it, it was just us passing the ball within each other, but we never had any threats in the final third. So we've kind of gone away from that, and it's kind of worked, right? At, yeah. at this point, we've reverted back to the original Neville in the beginning of the 2022 season, where it was go ahead and play the counter, defend for your life, 
and uh, kind of uh, take advantage of the few opportunities you have. This past game, how many shots did we have? Two or three shots, if you don't count that penalty. I think it was two or three shots yeah. we had in the total game. I'll look it up right now. So it, it's it's not necessarily like we're going to kill everybody offensively. We're going to play good defense. We're not going to allow you to score, and we're going to take advantage of our opportunities. And with two strikers like Campana and Joseph, who should be able to take advantage if we're given a few chances, that's a formula that could work. Last year, it worked before we got a Pozuelo. It was, that, that's what we were doing. We were keeping, uh, we were defending, and we were taking advantage when we got those opportunities. Campana was scoring, you know, at a, at a crazy rate, and things kind of changed when we got Pozuelo, but I think we're going to revert back to that, and I think we have a chance to make that work. Well, we had a total of nine shots, and out of the nine, nine shots, shots really? we had a total well, of nine target? shots. So three were on target. Okay. Three were off target. Um, and, and so, okay, and, and talking a little bit about the front, right? And we have, uh, we have Kalar that kicks in, right? He wants to pose this question to us, right? Uh, if we prefer Martinez to start at the nine every match or come on as a super sub, and for those of you in the chat, I want you guys to answer this as well because I want Connor to get the feel from the fan base, not just us. Um, listen, I am at this point while Joseph is getting his confidence, I love the idea of him coming on as a super sub. I don't want him to mess with what Campana has going on right now. As far as his flow, I feel like maybe bringing them both on would be maybe damaging because it seems like Phil is a little bit more comfortable with playing the one striker up top. Um, but that's just that's just my opinion, Danny. I mean, what what do you what do you think about that? I'd love to see Campana and Joseph both play together. Uh, I think <sighs> you haven't seen it enough. Um, I, I think that Joseph is going to get a lot more lanes to run in behind now that Campana's uh, kind of getting so much attention. Yeah. And I think we haven't seen that enough. And I think that now with a little more confidence after obviously this game, um, yeah. I think that. Joseph could maybe start finishing some of the opportunities that he had a couple weeks ago that he was, wasn't finishing. And I, I want I would like to see it more often, man. I would like to see two strikers up top. I'm kind of curious to see how we handle this upcoming game without Negri. Uh, we're probably going to have, uh, you know, Neville starting over at left back. And um, Well, talking about that, just to talk about that before you keep going, Lucas with of the day, okay? That is what I like to call the comment of the show. Hopefully, get to see Noah Allen tomorrow. That yeah. would be beautiful, my friend. Beautiful. Yeah, I would love the trifecta. If you can get Kramashi, get Noah Allen, and get Ruiz to be the core of this team moving forward, I think that would be beautiful. I would love to yes. see Noah Allen get a, a chance to play. And what better time than tomorrow when we're playing against Bethune-Cookman or whatever the hell their name Ch Charleston Battery. That's who they are. Charleston and then Battery. Let me yeah, and, and let me tell you, Hazel Lopez, you're close to getting the dime, too. MLS is a very physical league. I'm sorry. Stefanelli is not adjusting. I am co-signing that officially. Yeah. Daddy, yeah, you, know what? you look like you're about to apologize for this guy. I mean, give me a break. Get him apologize out of here. for who? For Stefanelli. Look, I've been saying from the beginning of the not the beginning of the season, but after the first three or so games that I watched him, to me, I felt like he was just one of those guys that goes to play soccer just to get the cardio in because I never see him contributing much. Like yeah. this past game, he had a random clearance when, in our defending box where he just randomly did like a, a Chilean, a bicycle kick to, to clear yeah. the ball out. It's like, And everybody get excited. Yeah, it's everybody nice gets started cheering. Like, oh, my God, look at that. Okay, come on. Hey, <laughs> you're defending right now. Just get the ball out. Um. So I didn't think it was that serious. But let's get back to Joseph since we started talking about Joseph. Yeah, yeah. We said last episode when we had Tommy from uh, Scars and Spikes that we believed that this was the week because it was written, right? Like you saw the writing on the wall. You saw the Disney oh, yeah. script kind of play out before it actually happened. We thought that he would get at least one. We were hoping maybe two. I couldn't believe that Joseph, his first touch on the ball, was literally the goal. Like, how how more... I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, it, it doesn't happen any more perfect than that. Like, the first time he touches the ball, 
is his first goal of the season against his former club. Like it was beautiful. And I, I was looking and I, I was kind of curious to see when he steps on the field, when he checks into the game, it was, oh man, I forgot. I had it written down. It was minute 57 or 56, 41. That's when he stepped on the field, 56, 41. That foul happened at 57, 17. That happened less than 40 seconds. Less than 40 seconds into him being in the game. Like, it was insane. Like, you couldn't predict this any better. Like, he immediately, he gets on the field. The very first play, they call a penalty. And supposedly he asked Campana if he got the kick. He shouldn't have, like, everybody knows the situation there. Like, I don't think it was necessary for him to, like, Campana should have just gone and just given him the ball immediately without him having to oh, ask. Because yeah. everybody knew the situation there. With, with Atlanta hasn't scored a goal all year. That's our first penalty kick, I think, all year. Like, you have to give him the ball. It, it was just perfect. Well, Joseph said in the post-game press conference that Campana, that Campana, uh, what was it? He said, I think, that he asked for for the kick, for the for the penalty. Campana let me tell you something. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. That Joseph asked for it. But yeah, yeah. I saw Campana literally get the ball, and he handed it to him. He said, this is yours. I remember it. I mean, it happened right in front of us. He knew it. He said, this is yours. So uh, for Campana to be able to do that as the DP, like that shows uh, a huge amount of confidence for Joseph. So I Leadership. will take that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you're talking about from one leader to another, right? That's got to that's gotta put something in Joseph as well. So that's something that he's buying in, this whole culture thing, right? Now that we're talking about the heat, which, you know, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the end of the third quarter. You guys can eat it, all right? Um, listen, I knew from the moment that we were going to play Atlanta, I said, this is the game for Joseph. And since we had on, since we had a Tommy from Scarves and Spikes, what was it? Scarves and Spikes. I knew this was just going to, this was going to be a beauty. I mean, uh, this was going to be written in no other way, shape or form other than Joseph getting at least a goal. I mean, it was just even better that he got two, got the hundred. So think about that, right? So did he get the hundred with Atlanta and also against Atlanta? So it's like all around Atlanta. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I forgot who it was. Somebody brought that up. The fact that he scored 98 goals as an Atlanta United player, and then the last two to get to 100, he scored against Atlanta. So Atlanta yeah. United fans were involved in all 100 goals. And I will tell you that when he checked in, I, I got the, the, the last half of them cheering when he was coming in. I didn't get the first, when they first started celebrating. But Atlanta United fans were cheering on Joseph when he got onto the pitch. Like, yeah. they were hyped, just as hyped as we were. Now, when he scored that penalty, they weren't as hyped. But I think it was really cool that uh, Atlanta United fans, there were a lot of Joseph Martinez jerseys out there. I want to say that the majority of Atlanta United jerseys I saw out there had Martinez in the back. Like, he is a living legend to that city and that fan base. And I thought that it was really cool that they got to witness him getting 100 because he missed it by two goals while he was part of that team. And I... I it was just, it was just awesome, awesome, and, awesome, awesome. And and uh, somebody mentioned, I think it was, uh, uh, no, was it Esteban? No, Mr. Krabs says, you know, if if we count the U.S. Open Cup goals, he already scored over a hundred. But no, yeah, no, yeah, it was MLS just strict, yeah, strictly, MLS. strictly MLS regular season. Yes, um, that second goal, I, I just saw Matthew just jumped on and. I feel like this is dedicated to Matthew Ridley. So that second goal was an assist by DeAndre Yedlin. Not Midland. Yedlin. DeAndre Yedlin. Yay, yay, yay. Put some respect on his name. Respect on that. After that Chicago game where he got beat by Kai Kamara, who's like 76 years old, DeAndre Yedlin, to me, has been playing great. And not enough people are giving him credit because he's been playing fullback. He's been playing wingback. He's even been playing right center back. Like he's been moved all over the place and yeah. he has been contributing on the defense, recovering uh, uh, on counters. He's been winning balls. He's been going ahead and, and what, 
contributing on offense. Like, I think that he's played so well, and nobody is talking about DeAndre Yedlin. And I think that because he was getting trashed so bad by people like Matthew and others, that I think that more people need to put some respect on his name because DeAndre Yedlin has been playing very well, and I think he needs some, some credit thrown his way because not enough people are giving it to him. Well, and not only that, but you also have to take in the fact that Negri is like this new, you know, car that you just bought as Inter Miami. So they're they're allowing him a lot more freedom than than Yedlin had last year. So Yedlin's kind of had to take a, a sort of a back seat to that. And so I think that that gives the availability for people to have that negative banter, that whole Midland thing. And uh, yeah, Matthew, you, you got to throw some respect on that. All right. All right. Let's throw some okay. respect on Yedlin. I am very happy with the back line. If anything, the only person that I'm not happy with is Negri because I don't think he does anything for the back line. I think he's all offense. I am yet to see him contribute defense. on defense. If anything, he almost he cost does. us the game by getting that red card, going in with studs up, getting kicked out. All of a sudden, we give up a goal. We have 10 men on the field. They gave a, a random nine minutes. What the hell was that nine minutes for, by the way? At what point was there nine minutes stoppage? Like, they didn't give a ceremony to Joseph for that 100th goal. Like, I was like, did I miss the ceremony? Why is there yeah. nine minutes? So that was a stressful nine minutes. And with the fact that Negri went in so irresponsibly, it made it even worse. But everybody loves Negri because he plays good on offense. But, well, he's the left back. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. And he's a slide tackle killer. That's what he is. He's a studs up. He's a studs up stud, if you notice. He's a he's a crazy person with these slide tackles. And I used to do that all the time when I was in PE. Why? Because I'm <laughs> blowing people's legs out. So <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I it's like you said, a lot of people are looking at him because he's more of an offensive threat. Right. But, it stands out more. It stands out a lot more when you're contributing on offense for sure. But let me tell you, he's leaving the back door open way too often. Mm -hmm. So that's that's detrimental. But now that we're talking about our defense, uh, we've given up a total of 11 goals all year. Now, I think that we're going to be – I've told you the last couple weeks that a lot of the reason that we have only given up 11 goals was two reasons. One, Drake, obviously, right? And two, because a lot of teams kind of just gave us possession and they didn't try to be aggressive and score after they took the lead on us. right? Like I felt like Cincinnati could have put three or four up on us easy. Yeah, but they took the 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 their foot off the gas. I think that with this new kind of park the bus halfway through the game, once we take a lead, I think that our defense is going to be just as difficult to score on. We have Almara locked up. Every time that the Atlanta had the ball, you saw that Ruiz and um, and Arroyo were giving him no passing. He had nowhere to go with the ball. Like, I thought that we did a great job of containing Almada, and I think our defense is going to be what we lean on to go ahead and keep winning games, especially if we have Campana and Joseph converting on the few shots that we get. Now, I know, that, like you said, we have nine shots. Uh, nine. I mean, they had 17. So they obviously had more opportunities. But if we can go ahead and score two out of nine, we're going to be in good shape. Well, I think for sure we're going to be in good shape. But one thing I'm trying to look up online, and maybe you might have the answer more handy than I do, uh, but Mr. Krabs brings something up here since we're talking a little bit about defense. He brings up uh, Drake Calendar, I believe, leads the league in saves. And I'll look, I'll look so up I'm, in a second. Yeah, I, so I'm, I, I, I'm I wouldn't doubt trying it. To... The reason no, I wouldn't and I, doubt I, Trust it. me. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, the reason I wouldn't doubt it is because I remember after the first what was it four games that or three games that nobody scored on us, we only had that one own goal. Everybody was yeah. like, oh my God, our defense is so amazing. And I said, our defense isn't that amazing if our goalie is leading the league in saves. Because if your goalie is leading the league in saves, then they're getting then a lot of shots on the target. So they're giving yeah. up a lot of shots. So your defense isn't the best. Last year, Philly had the best defense. Andre Blake was goalie of the year, and he was like seventh in saves because yeah. his defense was so good, he didn't have to save as many shots as everybody else. 
and I just found it. Drake is second in saves with 46. Oh uh, first is Petrovic from New England. But oh, I thought it I thought it would be Petro- the stash man. But Petrovic has played 11 games and Drake has only played 10. So he's mm. averaging more saves per game, which again isn't good. But that was a lot of that was towards the beginning of the season. I'm telling you, I think that things are going to change a lot more now that we're playing more conservative. We're playing that long ball. We're not building up from the back as much anymore. Now it's a lot of long balls. What have you seen? Drake doesn't lay it off to the center backs or the fullbacks anymore. Drake is just sending it off to the midfield and go ahead, try to win the ball. And if we can't, then we'll win it in the, in the, in the game of, uh, in the, I just went blank. Uh, but just try to win the ball in the midfield because we're not playing it from the back anymore. We're just playing that long ball. Yeah, look, I mean, the one thing that I enjoy about our defense, at least at this moment, is everybody is pretty solid except for Negri, just for the simple fact that he's a little too aggressive on offense, right? I mean, because of his aggressiveness on offense, right, it gives us a little bit more push on the offensive end. But defensively, we're just we're left with that side open. But I will tell you, before Campana came back, Negri was probably our best offensive player. Yeah, but that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. That's yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and the worst part is, is everybody's like, oh, Phil Neville, you're the worst. It's like, dude, Negri is your best offensive player. Yeah, I mean, but look, that somebody, was but that's but that's all tactic, though. He wants him up there. I mean, whatever. Look, somebody brought up earlier, and I'm I'm trying to find the comment here, and I'll filibuster in the meantime. Uh somebody mentioned something about Borgelin. Where he, uh, where I guess Borgelin was like, you know, somebody who's tied for the goals or whatever. I'm trying to see if I could find the the, the comment well, I don't know what here. Tied by goals, but I um, I do I'm trying to find that, it. I know uh, that I just put the show on a halt right now. I I do think that our defense is going to keep playing well, and I, I don't think that we have too much to worry about as far as defensively. We just got to make sure that we convert offensively. Are you looking for who leads the team in goals? Is that what you're looking for? No, 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 no. I'm, okay, I'm looking well, for... I, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, when, we're, when we're talking about leading the team in goals, for the first, what, seven right games, six games of the season, we were had we had no offense. Over the last couple of weeks, if I were to tell you to guess who's leading the team in goals, who would you guess? Uh, right now at this very moment? Yeah, who's leading the team in goals? I, I don't think anybody's leading the team. I think that there's got to be a tie. Okay. For, there's a tie between two players. Who do you think it, leads the league in, in the team in goals? Uh, right now, it's probably Joseph and uh, and probably Negri. No. It's Joseph and Campana. Campana missed the first, like, six games of the year. Joseph scored his first two goals this past Saturday. How putrid has our offense been this year that Joseph and Campana, who finally just scored recently over the last two weeks, Ooh, are leading the team in goals? How bad is that? So, yes, they're both leading the team in goals with two apiece. Now, I will tell you that this week was a little weird because, like, we were just talking about Negri and constantly leading the offense on, on down the left flank. The majority of our offense was produced by the on the right flank this, this week. Coco yeah. and Yedlin. And, I mean, Ruiz was out on the right side also a lot. We had a lot more builds. I think it was 45% of our offense came from the right side of the field, which is a, a large difference from what we were doing before because we were always building up off the left with Pizarro and Negri. I mean, I thought, look, like I said, a, a lot of people put too much hate and emphasis on the coach. But at some point, you got to have the players play. You got to have the players perform. And if you don't have the players performing up to the standard that's expected, then why is the hate going to the coach? If he's putting you in positions where you can succeed and you don't succeed, then Stefanelli, what are we doing? Pizarro, you make DP money. Where are we at, bro? What's going on here? So let's get that out of here. All right, let, 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 let's move on. I, I'm kind of curious. We are on a, would you say, two or three game win streak? I say three. What do you say? I say, I say, I definitely say three. Are you kidding me? I mean, come okay. on. Who are you so, asking? 
We're on a wait, yes, true. So we're on a three-game win streak. Are you now feeling optimistic about the upcoming games or the outlook for the rest of the season? Or are you still like, eh, we'll see how things go? You want to know, I'm feeling very optimistic just for the simple fact that we finally are taking the opportunity to start Kramashi. Mm -hmm. That's huge for me. And two, we finally have Campana back that's playing more than like 40, 30 minutes. And we just got Joseph feeling a little bit of that, you know, that success in him, that goal scoring in him. Listen, it's like basketball, right? Or, I mean, a lot of people say it about soccer too, right? When you see the ball hit the back of the net, that's all, that's all you need is just one time. Same thing yep. in basketball. When you see that ball go through the hoop, uh, go through the net, that's all you need to get into the groove. And I feel like this is the catapulting game that's going to put Joseph in a better vibe, I guess, is better said, in the future games. And let me tell you, if he plays against Charleston Battery, I'm like He's not really hoping. Well, He's I mean, if he, does, if he does, if he does, if he, I mean, if he does, he does, he's not. Maybe he scores like eight goals. He's not. He's not. He's not playing against them. Oh, look you at this to... guy, Matthew. You're gonna you're gonna join the the Dito <laughs> the the Dito boppers, huh? You're gonna join the uh, Facebook the Facebook guys out here thinking I'm getting Zell checks. I, I I will tell you one reason why I this. feel kind of up. Yeah, I know we're gonna get into Pizarro right now. One reason I feel a little optimistic about um, where we're heading. One, with the players we have and the lack of a true number 10, I like that we're reverting back to the counterattacking, uh, you know, park the bus once you get a lead type of Phil Neville that we got at the beginning of 2022. Okay, so I like that. I think that can work. The second reason, we've only won four games this year. One was against Montreal. Right, which everybody's hyped up because Bryce Duke and Lasseter are playing and they're winning four games in a row, whatever. But the other three wins were against Atlanta, which at the time was third in the East, against Columbus, which is currently sixth in the East, and against Philadelphia, which is currently seventh in the East. All good teams. We've beaten good teams, and one of them, Columbus, on the road. So I think that we are right now kind of getting that confidence as a team and probably even as a fan base that, okay, we're, we're, we're looking good right now. If we win tomorrow, which we should, against Charleston Battery, go ahead, four-game win streak. Again, you continue feeling good, and then you have a real test because you have the number one seed, New England Revolution, coming into town at home, but it's still the number one seed. If we can pull at least a draw from the number one team in the East, I think that we should feel very optimistic about what's coming with this team. I, um, these guys are out of this world right now. And for sure, I think what's going to help is this game against Charleston Battery. And somebody actually mentioned in the comments whether if we lose to Charleston Battery, is this going to put heat under Phil Neville's seat? I don't think so. I don't think it will. I, do you you think so? You think so, Danny? I no. I mean, I I guess not in the sense that I would assume that you're you're not gonna get your regular eleven. You're gonna get a lot of the the young kids playing tomorrow. Yeah. So if you were to lose, um, I, I don't think it would be as big a deal. But if you lose tomorrow against the USL side, and then you go ahead and you don't beat the Revolution, or you get or you lose to the Revolution on Saturday, I think That's... that seat heats up quickly again. Yeah, so, it's going to be problematic. He's like, oh, no, he's if, like if, yeah, because if you win tomorrow and then you lose to the Revolution on Saturday, you're like, ah, the number one team in the East. I get it. it, it it's not easy to beat the best team. So, yeah. so on and so forth. But if you lose tomorrow and then you lose against on Saturday, then it's like, okay, what's going on? That seat is going to get heated up again. And I, I think that that's what's going to happen. Now, I, I mean, but we're bringing, playing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, everybody, we're playing against one of the best teams in the East. Like, what but you're are you playing against here? Charleston Battery? I said only if you lose tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but like at the same time, like you have to, uh, you have to call a spade a spade. If you're going to be playing against one of the best teams, you kind of have to acknowledge the fact that you're not one of the best right now, so you might get destroyed. I, um, I am a hundred percent with Matthew on this one. Negri should play ninety minutes tomorrow, and he should play left wing. Put him in as a left winger 
because he has no, no no use for him out there. Let let Noah Allen play left back. Let Negri play left wing. Let him play striker. Let him run all over the field. And almost as a punishment, just have him running all over the field for getting that stupid-ass red card and almost costing us the win. Because I would have been yeah. so pissed if we didn't get those three points on Saturday. Um, but, yes. It, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, like I said before, I'm feeling super optimistic. Okay, I'm feeling really optimistic. The only thing that kind of sucks is Pizarro is going to be out. Um, but I do feel optimistic about these these coming next two games. I really am. Pizarro being out was almost like a... Um, what's that saying? Uh, something in disguise? A blessing in disguise? Yeah. Because I don't think Ruiz gets those chances that he's gotten over the last two weeks has been if Pizarro isn't out. And I think now it's almost forcing Phil Neville's hands, which, uh, look, he plays the young guys anyway, so I don't know if he, he probably would have done it anyway maybe. But yeah. now I think you're almost guaranteed to see a heavy dose for the next month of Kromashi and Ruiz. And this is a big month. We have seven matches. I mean, six now left. But we have six more matches this month. Like, you're saying you're feeling optimistic. We should know more or less where we lie within by the time the month is over because we still have games against this month, New England. One of the best teams in the East. We still have Nashville, which is third in the East. We still have Orlando, which is still ahead of us in the in the in the standings. We have Montreal, which is now hot. We have some serious competition in this month, on top of the fact that we're playing so many games in a span of three weeks. So I think that this is gonna be a big time month and a big test to see where this team is heading, heading into the summer. Yeah, I mean the, we all know that May was gonna be critical from the moment that the schedule was released. We knew that when May kicked in, it's like, okay, this is going to be the make-or-break view of where we're at in terms of the landscape of the MLS, especially on the, of course, you know, on the east side. But now, and everybody's saying that Pizarro's a curse, blessing in disguise, Ruiz's no. left foot is better than Pizarro's entire career. I mean, everybody <laughs> is just ro rolling on this guy. No, no, I look that, no. Look, I... Before the season started, I was never a Pizarro apologist. I wanted him off the team, but you can't deny that during the first eight games of the year, the first two wins and the six losses in a row, Pizarro was probably the best player, maybe outside of Drake and Negri. Consistent. All those eight games, like Pizarro was that, that factor that kept us in those, man, it's hard to say kept us in those games because we lost six in a row, but he was the only hope we had. And I come on, you can't crap on Pizarro. Come on. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's lazy, guys. You guys are showing little Facebook tendencies. All right, let's calm right. it down. Now, uh, Mr. Crab in the comments kind of wrote something that I, I want to address now. Um, no, it wasn't that. He brought up something that we try not to talk too much about, but I, I kind of just wanted to give it like give it like thirty seconds. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation going around that Messi is not going to go to Saudi Arabia because he's going to get paid like half a billion dollars for a season. What do you think, Chris? I mean, if they got the money for him, they got the money for him, right? I mean, at this point, you're really going to be able to see right here, we can kiss Messi goodbye since he went to Saudi Arabia. He didn't go yet, and it's just a rumor. But half a billion dollars, not, I was like 400 million, some ridiculous amount of money. And I wouldn't believe any of it if it wasn't for this random Saudi Arabia trip that he took this past week, which he got suspended in PSG for. That kind of like threw some red flags. I was like, oh, maybe he is considering going to Saudi Arabia. Well, it's definitely going to tell you what Messi is looking for for his future, right? Mm -hmm. Is he looking for, for a big fat paycheck? Or is he looking to 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 fatten up his his legacy? Because he's not going to get that check out here on MLS. He'll get close to it. A not ton even. of sponsors no. for a year, a year, a season, not even a year, a season. They're going to give him that much money. He's playing a season. It's you don't ridiculous. think you don't think that he could make up that money with sponsorships? You don't Half think that he could make? Maybe, maybe he'll get close. But you have to remember that Messi isn't going to go over there and all of a sudden lose all his sponsorships. He's going to go to Saudi Arabia. He's going to go get that half a mil or close to half, a, I'm sorry, half a billion from the Saudi Arabians, and then he'll still keep his sponsorships. So, I mean, that's, he, he might make a billion dollars next year. 
So, so but anyway, th- this is messy talk. You just got the you just got the dime of the day, Mr. Krabs. We got rid of Pozuelo for absolutely nothing then? No, not at all. I think that Pozuelo's going to be the, the big signing this summer. He's going to be our big DP signing this summer. No way, dude. There's <laughs> no way everybody's favorite Hendo is going to re-sign Pozuelo. Oh, my God. If he does that, no, I'm rioting I'm outside you. of the Dry Pink Stadium. No, you know who I really do think is going to end up here if Messi doesn't come? Anton Griezmann. He's loved Miami. He's been at Heat games for the last couple of years, attending Heat games. Uh, he is somebody like I thought uh, Hamas would be here also because they both love Miami so much that I thought eventually they would end up playing for Inter Miami. And I think Griezmann would be a, a real possibility coming down here. All right. So Hazel is asking about how much gam we got. And, and thank God you asked for Matthew because I have absolutely no idea how much Monopoly money we have. But apparently, Matthew now says that we got 1.5 million in GAM, right? Lucas is loving that Griezmann idea. So I, I, I think, I think you that's got... who we end up getting. And then finally, get Marsman off the books. <laughs> All right, now let's let's talk a little bit about tomorrow's game before we sign off. Oh, and before we go to the giveaway, uh, before we get into tomorrow's U.S. Open Cup, I did want to talk about the fact that Don Garber. I don't know if you saw this. He went ahead and criticized the U.S. Open Cup. Did you yeah. see those comments by any chance? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. Very interesting. Right. Oh, So let me put him up here right here. This is what he said. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about. He said, I would say that they're not games that we would want our product to be shown to a large audience. So frankly, I'm not all that disappointed that the audience is small. So I appreciate that the enthusiasm about it. I appreciate the enthusiasm about it, but we need to get better with the U.S. Open Cup. It's just not the proper reflection of what soccer in America at the professional level needs to be. Now, to keep everything in context, he did follow that up with, we understand that the Open Cup is not where we all want it to be, and we're committed to getting it there. So he did say he wants to get it there. But Wait, you should have kept Open that up. You should have okay. kept that up. But what, what was the rest that he said? It also takes resources and something that we're spending a lot of time thinking about. So go ahead, because I have a response for that. Go, no, I'll, go ahead. You start off. I, you know, he's right. He's right. It, it really isn't something that's reflecting well for the United States for soccer, especially for me being a new fan getting into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's so much potential, like mountains of potential, I don't understand how we can't get this right. I mean, we're talking about if it wasn't Inter-Miami playing Miami FC, it's like the five people that go to those games. Like, what, what, what's happening? Well, I think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying that, that he, uh, he feels like the U.S. Open Cup is doing a poor job of either promoting or giving good fields to play on. Like, he, he's unhappy with the tournament overall. And I, th- I thought that it was surprising that he would come at the U.S. Soccer Confed- Federation like that. But I get it. Like, I'm not big on that tournament to begin with. But I, and I, I under- I'm not. But And I understand what Lucas is saying, right? What a clown. Hitting on a cup that helps the league, which is true, right? But, I mean, let's think but, about it. But does this. it help the league, though? It, I mean, does it, it does. help the MLS or does it help the USL? Well, I mean, it's going to help. It's going to help the, U- the USL for sure. Right. But at the end of the day, like if we're trying to like popularize soccer in, in, in North America, right, because mm-hmm. we're talking about teams that are in the MLS, the USL, uh, what is it? Liga MX as well. Right. And uh, it, no, is no, it, is no, it, it's just, it's no? just MLS and USL or Canadian teams. No, they're not included. So US, it's just MLS, US, US, US. So it's just Cup. United. Yeah. So it's US. If he's trying to encourage something like that in the United States, I feel like there should be a lot more promotion. There should be a lot more people or groups pushing and pushing and pushing to get people out to the stands. I mean, if we got to give tickets for $2.50, then that's what we got to do to fill the stands. I mean, giveaways, whatever it is, something has to happen because it's it's really crazy that a building is light is lit up in downtown, right? And and Miami FC posted it with both Miami FC 
and on top of that, Inter Miami logos. Why isn't, let me tell you, why isn't after a win the Guitar Hotel showing an Inter Miami logo? I was thinking about that on the drive home. Why? Why hasn't Inter Miami to be like gone? the Empire State Building? I mean, I think, listen, it, that's like a, a, like, like a big piece in Broward County. And you're going to tell me that tons of people that go to Miami from Broward to from the game, and you're going to tell me after a win, you can't speak to Hard Rock and be like, yo, throw our logo up on your guitar for like two hours, please. Think about the promotion but, that they're getting from that. Yeah, but just just keeping it on the, on the Open Cup, I, I think that the Open Cup, it's it's a tradition that kind of follows the whole European traditions where like they have the FA Cup where like every – like. The hundreds of fucking clubs that they have over there in little ass England all play yeah. each other. That's not very American here. Like in America, we don't care about your second division teams. Give us the big boys. Like everybody's like, oh, but everybody loves the Cinderella March Madness. Yeah, but that's not what this is. In March Madness, all the division one teams are playing against each other. Yeah. They're not going ahead and playing against division two teams. Like they're playing against the division one competition. MLS is playing against MLS teams. Once you bring in the USL, the American fan, because I know I'm talking to a, a lot of people that watch our show and listen to our show, uh, yeah. I have that Euros, Europe bias because they grew up loving European soccer and are, are moving over to MLS. And I get it. I get it. But it's not the American culture to go ahead and want to root for a pro team to play against a second division team. Like when you talk about, let's say, for example, baseball, like you don't care to watch one of the major AAA. league teams play against yeah. a triple A team. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, they're, they're in different places. Triple A plays against triple A. MLB plays against MLB. Like I get it. I get it. And so some people it's blasphemy that I'm saying this because it's the soccer culture, but it's not the American culture. I get that. It's since 1914, 105 years, but how, how long has MLS been around? It hasn't been around since 1914. Like MLS is where the major players play. Like if, if it wasn't for the fact that Miami FC and, and Inter-Miami, it was a close game and Phil Neville was on the hot seat, like, did anybody really care about that game all that much? Like, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but, I mean, this is a question about the U.S. Open Cup and with the job that they're doing in terms of gaining the audience and sort of bolstering soccer in the United States. But I think and that I just... you bolster it by playing – the you play good competition, play good soccer. How are you going to get people to like soccer if you're playing against second division teams? I think there's a point here that Dito uh, mentions that you might get behind here. The pro-rel pushers are oblivious streamers. And and I get why people like that. But it, it's in a country where it's trying to grow the sport, I don't see how that's going to help grow a fan base. I, I just don't. And again, I know I mean, that it's I know it's it's like blasphemy for me to say. I know a lot of people that are like diehard, like uh, I don't know, Manchester United, Liverpool, and, you know, Chelsea fans are like, oh, this is ridiculous. Ah, I can't believe yeah. he's saying stuff like that. We love the FA Cup. But uh, why? Yeah. Why? Like <laughs> in America, in America, we celebrate one champion. That that's it. You won the championship. You are the champion. You know, you know, th there's been the four best seasons, and I know I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but if you think about the best seasons in the four other major sports outside of soccer in the United States, who had the best regular season of all time in baseball? The Seattle Mariners. They won 116 games. Guess what? They didn't win the championship that year. Well, the Patriots yeah. went, what was it, 17-0 regular season, 16-0, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. They didn't win the championship this year. We don't care about the regular season. We want one champion. That's it. We don't want two champions. We don't want a ra random uh, U.S. Open Cup champion and then we lose the MLS Cup. No, the MLS Cup is the goal. We want that yeah. championship. We're not worried about the other championships. And again, it's a very American way of thinking. But again, this is an American league. And I'm, I'm trying to look back to see who's won the last couple championships uh, in, in, in the history of the U.S. Open Cup. The, the, I mean, the Sounders have won four times since they came into the league. And they came into the league, I want to say, like 14, 15 years ago. Hazel Lopez asked, if we win the U.S. Open Cup, would you guys celebrate? I'd celebrate like I celebrated oh, Saturday. Yeah. I, like I celebrated Saturday, like winning a, a win. But, like, am I going to be as 
ecstatic about it. No, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate it as much as I celebrated this. <laughs> that's that's how much I'm going to celebrate it. I celebrated that. I, I, I clapped my hands. Awesome. I saved the picture, as you can see. And that was it. And then I moved on because I want the MLS Cup. That's the cup that matters to me. I don't care about the yeah. supporter shield. You can take that supporter shield and shove it somewhere. I don't give a crap about that. I want the MLS Cup. That is the final game of the season. That's the championship I want. I don't know, man. I mean, this and 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 everybody is oh, talking people a little are gonna bit hate about. On me. I, I know people are going to hate on me for saying this, but that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. It's look, it, it's 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 nice silverware to have in the training facility, but it's it's not the championship. It's like you Thank said. Thank you, Jay Vasquez. Real quick, for those uh, of you listening you know on audio, what? if you're if you're listening on YouTube or, or audio, and this is not live. Obviously, you already know the result. But for those of you on the chat live, thank you, Jay Vasquez, for the update. Heat up nine points. And uh, uh, if it wasn't for the NY having uh, the refs in the back pocket in game two and Jimmy not oh, playing, my. today would have been a final sweep. Sorry, Chris. Oh, this is beautiful. Uh, it, Listen, it, it, I, I'm going to tell you something. The money has been in the refs' pocket for the Heat this whole series. There was literally two fouls called in the first 40 seconds of this game today. On the Knicks, all right. Let's not talk about money in anybody's pocket because we know that the refs are. Let's not talk about basketball just because I can't believe that I'm talking about the Knicks. Jesus Christ! All right. uh, Um, here, as Steve Munoz said, um, the CCL, man, but that's different. The USL, the 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 Open Cup, like it's second division teams. Like, who cares? Like, I don't care about the second division team. I don't know. People um, like underdogs. That's the one thing about the United States is that America loves the underdog. So if there's any country in this world that would like love that, it, I mean, I would imagine it's. But you know what an underdog is to Americans? The eighth seed. That's an underdog. You beat the first seed. The Miami Heat beating the Milwaukee Bucks. That's an underdog. They beat the, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Florida Panthers beating the greatest regular season hockey team of all time, the Boston Bruins. That is one hell of an underdog story. But those are two but, major teams playing against each other. I don't want to see Sacramento playing against Orlando in the final again. Who the hell cares? I don't well, care Ar- about Sacramento. Orlando doesn't want that either because they had to send a, 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 a camera crew to, to spy on them. <laughs> But there's it doesn't get any better under than under underdog than a Miami FC winning the whole US Open Cup. To them, yes. And to me, I wouldn't give a crap. They could win the next 10 and I wouldn't give a shit. Let's not talk about Patrick Ewing, guys. There's still it, it, guys, it's going game, it's going seven games. Okay. We're just gonna leave it at that. All right. I, uh, I've been said that. Charleston battery tomorrow. Chris, does this have to be a dub? I mean, whatever, right? I mean, it's Charleston Battery. I think it'd be nice to get a win. I think right? it has to be a dub. We have to, we have to beat, the, we have to beat them. I think, uh, I think, like you said, Negri has to play all game. Abuse yourself. Get into <laughs> your cryo chamber container and make sure that you're ready to run ninety plus minutes. Um, if we yeah, beat I, them and Orlando beats Charles uh, Charlotte, we play against Orlando the next round, I believe. The final yeah. 16. So it would that, be that great. I would be interested in just because it's Orlando. It would be great to get that rematch. So, yes, I think that it would be necessary to win. I feel like it would be helpful to the team and to Phil Neville, especially for the team to win. Now, do I feel like it's necessary to like, I don't know, to mention that, oh, the team needs to be getting this win to be great? I don't think so. No, but not to be great, but like these are teams that you're supposed to beat, especially uh, if you're trying to to get some. Uh, don't get Chris excited. For those of you at, that don't at, know, for those of you who don't, know, Chris is recently into soccer. Right, it's been the last what, two seasons or so, but he has been obsessed with Neymar for like the which, last but, decade. For like the which, last but, decade. Well, which by the way, the what the comment that gets that sparked off is Matthew uh, drinking a little booze early in the day, saying Neymar, Messi, in Miami. I would love mm. that. If Neymar could just take it from the back of the pitch all the way to the front, like how I play in FIFA with him, we're good to go, buddy. <laughs> so for those and if of anybody audio, wants yes, the business and and if anybody wants the business in FIFA, come see me. 
Oh, speaking of which, we're considering oh, two things. I'm going to put out there for the chat and for anybody listening on YouTube or on the audio, please do me a favor and comment on this video because I had two questions for you. One, we're considering putting together a FIFA tournament. We're going to find a place, a location that has enough TVs and councils where we can have a, a tournament. Maybe we can figure out a way to get a prize going. And two, we have the Orlando game coming up in two weeks. If you guys know of a good Orlando podcast that we could go ahead and bring on, please let us know because we usually look for them. But maybe you guys know about some of the, some Orlando uh, podcasts you can contact. Maybe some people that are you know entertaining, funny, talk a lot of crap. Wouldn't mind having them on so we can talk some crap back. All right. Uh, so Charleston Battery out of the way. Uh, I think it's giveaway time because we're, we're just about done. And if you guys can get Sandwich Guy... I'll go ahead and grab Sandwich Guy, and we'll put him on here for like three and a half minutes just so we can boo him in the face. He he left. He left, uh, he yeah, left the he podcast did. he was on. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He can eat a bag. Puerto oh. Rican FC. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I am going to now share my screen so that we can go ahead and pick our winners. Now that we trashed the U.S. Open Cup, Here's two free tickets to the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm just going to click on this and so, the wheel so of turn. Yeah. Right. So, for the, so for those of you that are listening on audio, so Danny brought up our very expensive, very intricate, uh, little uh, spinny, uh, scaly thing with many names on it. Over 100 for you guys that are just listening. De definitely not. <laughs> We figured it was going to be a Tuesday game, so we figured that there weren't going to be too many people interested, but it's okay. We appreciate you guys that did join because uh, it's, it's hard getting out to Broward on a Tuesday. All yes. right, so here we go. And the winner of the giveaway is... Expensive spinning thing. Joseph underscore. So there we go. Joseph is the winner and... Chris, you told me be, yeah. that you were also feeling in a given mood and that you wanted to give away your two tickets also, did you not? Yes, we will be giving away my tickets as well. So there we go. So we're going to have two winners tonight instead of just one. So here we go. Let's roll. And let's see who the winner number two is. You're going to be sitting as next to Joseph and whoever he brings. Isam Breezy. So Isam, Breezy, and Joseph, you guys are the winners. And we will go ahead and get you guys those tickets in uh, probably tomorrow morning. Listen, Matthew, oh. you, you, want, you want to talk about how it looks out of Windows 98? We paid a lot of money for that spinny thing, okay? <laughs> All right? Very intricate, very detail-oriented. Get out of here with your, with your stuff. Uh, yes, Correct, Esteban Dito. I am not going to the game tomorrow morning because I cannot drive all the way to Broward on a random Tuesday. Uh, so this, I figured I'd give them away. Listen, I, I mean, so I could guys... sell them, but I yeah. figured we'd give them away. Listen, and at the end of the day, I, I would have gone, right? I went to the last uh, USL game, uh, the, the Open Cup game. So I really wanted to go. My son wanted to go big time. But, uh, I mean, on a Tuesday, it's just brutal to go to Broward at five six o'clock and then have to march back down all the way to freaking homestead and my understanding is that the only way to watch it tomorrow is going to be on bleacher reports youtube stream so so there we go and look at this radio shack tandy technology from alpha i mean alpha come on come on you're gonna join these guys all right so uh that's it if you guys were in the chat we appreciate you as always you guys are what makes this show awesome uh so we appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to start watch the, the end of the Heat game, watch them finish beating the Knicks, hopefully. I'm hoping. And, the game's uh, already over. 101 to 109, Papa. The Heat won? Yeah, the Heat won. I mean, hey! like I said, <laughs> it's going to game seven, bitch. It's not, not anymore. That's it. It's a wrap for you, son. It's going to game seven, bitch. Oh. Get out of here. You know what? Go, yeah. leaves, go.
All right, we got we got we got to stop with this goalies go stuff. Game seven, yeah. Chris is a wild man. All right, Chris, you got anything else outside of any Knicks talk? No, nothing I else. In miracles. Yeah, and Wednesday we're gonna have um, Tommy from. Oh man, I'm his name is his podcast is slipping me, but he is a, a New England Revolution uh, podcaster, so he's gonna join us on Wednesday. Uh, we're actually gonna be going live on eight o'clock instead of nine o'clock on Wednesday, so we're gonna be on an hour earlier than usual, but we'll be here eight o'clock to preview that New England game and hopefully talk about a win against Charlotte Battery. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we appreciate you guys in the chat. And Chris, sorry about your Knicks. Eat a bag. <laughs>